Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast with me and Lucy. Hello. We are doing something a little bit different today. It's just the two of us. Sorry, in advance. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're just going to have a bit of a chat about some of the stuff that's that's going on. So... um, yeah. It's not that we can't find anybody to talk to us anymore. It's just that we just <laughs> we'd give you a bit of a life update. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've been uh, all all desperate to know what we've been up to in our hugely exciting rock and roll lives. In the middle of a pandemic. Hmm. Exactly. Um, so the thing that uh, we've sort of, the main thing that we were going to talk to or I was going to talk to you guys about this week was I just wanted to sort of share with you some of my thoughts and experiences because um, as I've mentioned on the show before Lola my a beautiful stinky guide dog is 10 and so she's on her sort of way to retirement and um, part of the reason she's retiring is because she's just decided that she doesn't really want to do it anymore so there have definitely been occasions where she and I have been out and about and she'll just stand still in the middle of the pavement she's just and she she I'm lucky that I have enough sight that I can uh sort of just about walk forward without falling down a hole so she will walk next to me, just like a, a regular dog on the lead. But she will, she's definitely had enough of, of wearing the harness. And so we don't do any long trips anymore. We don't do, you know, whole days out. It's very much if we're going out, we're going to Tesco's and then we're coming back. Or, you know, I'm getting coffee and then I'm coming back. It's gone are the days of, oh, I'll meet my friends for breakfast and then we'll go shopping and then we'll go and get our nails done. And not that I ever lived that kind of exciting, glamorous life. <laughs> Sound like I live in Sex in the City, but <laughs> really, really not. No, me and my friends were more likely to uh, go to the library and then perhaps have lunch because we're not really morning people. You see, with me, it's like for lunch. And then you know, lunch is the big occasion, really. If I'm honest. <laughs> yeah definitely uh food orientated on you yeah, uh, yeah exactly they actually taught me how to do maths at school i was terrible well i was i'm terrible at maths can't do maths can't do numbers alice knows this um uh and when i was at school to get me through our GCSEs, they bribed me with mars bars so you know as soon as they took the mars bars away that was it i didn't want to know anymore was it was it, it if we give you one Mars bar, and then there are two more Mars bars over here. How many Mars bars are there? It was a really weird game. It was like they put a Mars bar in a box, and then it was like we had to play this weird card game. And if if we could add our cards up to a certain number, we got to open the box. I think the Mars bar inside is very weird. I don't, I don't really remember it, but um, it helped with my maths. My maths got better. So um, maths sponsored by Mars. <laughs> and then they stopped um, the Mars bars and it just got terrible so yeah anyway we dive we digress we were talking about it. Lola we were talking about Lola yeah exactly not like us at all is it so and and I am on the waiting list for a new guide dog but um as some of you might know the pandemic has um thrown a real spanner in the works for organizations like guide dogs because many of their puppies who've been training and you know the plan for them was to go on to be 
service dogs and assistance dogs in the future, they've been stuck indoors for the last year, just like the rest of us. And so they mm-hmm. haven't had the exposure of going to all the supermarkets and, you know, school runs and going through crowds and stuff. And so now they're getting to a point where they're trying to train these dogs and they're all too easily distracted or spooked by the noises or just just not suitable, haven't built up the resilience that you need because you do have to be pretty resilient to be a guide dog as much as I make fun of Lola. So yeah, I've been on I've been on the waiting list for a while. I expect to be on the waiting list for a little while longer uh, just because of the shortage of pups and the number of other people waiting. Um, and it's all about matching and all of this. No, 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 no. Anyway, I made the decision that um, whilst I continued to have to wait for a new guide dog, that I was going to start learning to use a cane. Mm-hmm. And I used, I've had cane training off and on basically my whole life. I can remember being probably 12 or 13 and having, you know, quite an intense few sessions learning how to use it. And being told you know you've got to use it regularly and using it to get to school a couple of times and just feeling so self-conscious and getting stared at and getting you know you and it does it does happen with the dog but not so much but it'll be things like if you're waiting to cross the road somewhere where it's not a formal like road crossing point so there's not lights or a zebra crossing or something yeah and you've got a white cane, cars will stop eight feet away from you and be like, you cross, it's fine, <laughs> you the space. And obviously when you're 12 and all of the girls that you go to school with are already telling you, oh, you haven't got the coolest phone and you haven't got the right pencil case and, you know, mm-hmm. you're not wearing your school uniform in the way that everybody else is wearing their school uniform. It was just one more thing for me to be super self-conscious about. And again, I've been very fortunate because of the nature of my eye condition that I haven't haven't needed an orientation aid to get around safely. You know, I've, I have perhaps not safely, but I've managed for yeah. the last 15 years. I was just thinking, Alice, a lot of people listen to this episode or listen to this podcast won't know you know well they 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 will obviously see people using people using a cane i've seen people using a cane before but i i didn't know that you had cane training i didn't realize it was that complicated so can just like enlighten me a little bit as to how how you use a cane and what what you need cane training for because i think that's really interesting yeah i mean i'm I'm not an expert, certainly, but the purpose of it is to establish whether it's clear for you to move around, sort of a move forward. So if you assume, if you imagine that you have no sight at all, you obviously can't tell what is in front of you unless you can find it and feel it. Yes. So the purpose of a cane is to essentially sweep ahead of you when you walk to um warn you of any obstacles and give you information about what's is coming ahead of you the training is there because in order to make the most use of the information the cane is telling you you need to sort of there are techniques for learning how to sort of you you walk in in rhythm with it um and it this is things like if you if you come across an obstacle one of the things that you can do is sort of line your cane up against it and move to stand beside it to help you establish the height sort of height or depth of the obstacle so you can establish you know whether it's is it just is it a bollard or is it you know an 800 year old tree that's four feet wide to help you work Mm -hmm. out how to get around things safely um and 
so I, I take it these these diff different objects must feel different when you're holding the cane, do they? Um, I mean, you you get an understanding. The more you use a cane, I think you become more sensitive to the information that it's giving you. So you can feel the difference between, uh, you know, the kind of tarmac they use on the road and a paving stone and, you know, different things like that. You can feel that difference so that um, anybody who's used a cane on the kind of horrible slightly shiny tarmac -y stuff they use for shared space you know where it's yeah. um pedestrian and also car use yeah that kind of tarmac feels different from what you would have on like your more traditional roads with a curb on the side of it and like yeah i mean yeah even you know without the curb there there's there's just different textures um that you can tell from the kind of the way the cane moves across the ground in front of you so you know i can it will pick up if there's um tactile paving or if there's a curb um or you know if i go into leaves or grass there's a grass verge mm. um things like that so it gives you that information and it's to just help familiarize you with your surroundings so mm -hmm. You know, in, in places where um, the pave, if you've got traditional old-fashioned paving stones, they're not even, the the idea is that the cane will just give you, because it, it's supposed to be a couple of feet ahead of you, yeah. it gives you a little bit of protection, a little bit of reaction time to understand of what's coming up in front of you, because obviously yeah. you can't see it. I was doing some work in my day job recently. And I didn't realise this, but so there's, a, I don't know whether your cane has it, but on most canes, there is tape on the bottom of the, on the bottom, I think it's the bottom, the bottom of the um, cane. <laughs> and if the different colours and patterns on the bottom of the, like on the tape on the bottom of the cane, mean different things. So if it's, I think it's, if it's like yellow and green stripes, I could be wrong. Think if it's yellow and green stripes, it means they are blind. Uh, they have a visual impairment and they have a hearing impairment as well. And I was like, oh, I didn't realise that. I do know. I didn't. I don't know about that. I do know that um, guide dogs who also whose whose owners have both hearing, hearing. and sight loss, they have a yeah. different pattern on the front of the the bit that goes over their chest. Yeah, which makes sense, really, doesn't it? But I mean, I was surprised that I, I was like, oh, when when somebody told me about it, I was like, well, that that does make sense. But I wonder how many people know about the different patterns and the different colours on on dog vests and canes. <laughs> yeah, because... some people just oh, that, that dog's you know got a different fashion style. That's a jazzy jacket. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, canes canes are very personal they um they depend the kind of cane depends on the length of the cane depends on your height um there's different uh ends to the canes so that you can depending on your preference for how you use them i've got uh i think they're calling a tennis ball end yeah. um which is basically a big circle that looks like a tennis ball um, yeah. And that rolls really nicely, whereas the ones I always had previously were uh, marshmallow ends, which are much more sort of squared and, you know, rounded at the bottom, so they still roll. But I always found those caught on stuff a lot. And um, the thing that I'm sure anybody who's ever had uh, any cane training will tell you about is that the way that you hold a cane if it gets mm. caught on something and you're not prepared for it you are going to impale yourself right in the gut with Ooh, it oh yeah i can imagine <laughs> um Ooh. and i mean that's one of the things that i'm learning not to do just walking down the street at the moment yeah cane training uh, to me you, you you you're saying the words cane training and to me it sounds like in my head like a driving lesson so you have an instructor going 
this is what you do. Why are you it holding it like that? It is. So, it is a do lot, you go out with somebody? Do you go out with somebody who has got knowledge of these canes that yeah. basically sound like Harry Potter ones? If I'm honest, if that makes you feel any cooler about it, it makes it sound like <laughs> Harry Potter ones. Um, but do you? So do you go out with somebody like from an organisation to go? Why are you holding it like that? Yeah, this I mean, is what this does, this is, you know, that kind of thing. In the UK, most local authorities, certainly in England, most local authorities will have either within their sensory disability team or um, contracted out to another organisation to provide orientation, mobility type training mm. for uh, cane users, visually impaired people. So it is, you know, it is essentially the same as if you've never used a wheelchair and you yeah. acquire a disability, you need to, to learn to move. And, you know, yes, you can just kind of stick someone in one and go, there you go, you deal with it. But there are techniques that will help promote safety and comfort and that's that's kind of what the whole purpose is um we are fortunate obviously in this country because of social services uh that it's all government funded i don't know what the case is uh around the rest of the world you know and i know that there are charities that will also give this kind of service um what i'm having at the moment is coming from my local authority so I'm working with a gentleman who is a, a rehabilitation officer so he does mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff to help people rehabilitate uh, following accidents or acquiring disabilities and you know about it's his job's all about helping people to regain their physical independence right so yeah at the moment he walks behind me uh, and tells me has he told you off at any point like what are you doing it's not a no, fight. He, actually <laughs> i think because i have told him that i had all i had this training when i was 12 and then i had some more when i was at uni in my first year i had another couple of training uh, sessions because i was like i'm independent and grown up now and i need to be able to get around by myself and then again went Oh, everybody's looking at me. I'll just stay home. Mm. And so I think he thinks that I'm going to be much better at this than I am. Right. So he was like, "So you've got a cane? Here you go. Let's let's just do this then." And I was like, "Um, <laughs> what? How does it? What? And you know, there's like a way that you've got to hold it and where you hold it on your body and." stuff it's it's a bit like learning a bit of a dance routine yeah you expect anton Dubeck to jump out of a bush <laughs> no no unfortunately it's i find it much more stressful and anxiety inducing than any of I that can imagine, because, actually. Yeah, because i can imagine actually because it's having to remember like it's so for for example, in theory, the foot that's moving forward when you step, your cane is supposed to sweep from one side to the other, or depending if you tap or you sweep, um, and it's supposed to be anticipating your next step. So it wow. tells you, say, your left-hand side is clear, so you step forward with your left foot, and then your cane should be this moving across where your right Look foot is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to establish yeah. that it's safe yeah. and then as you bring it back across then your right foot moves forward to sort of overtake your left so you're that happy to my my legs i can't move my legs <laughs> I, I can feel them knotting themselves like a french plait. yeah that sounds like my brain would go what yeah what so so you've got to do that but then you've also got to uh, move forward uh, and like my balance is atrocious for a my, number of <laughs> reasons. Um, and so I am trying to remember what, what foot's going where while my hand is moving the cane. And mm. also like, there's a level of concentration that I have to have to just walk without falling down. 
Yes. And so I'm also then concentrating on not falling down. But then yeah. also because I have got sight, I am also looking where I'm going because yeah. it's just it's just instinctual. Yeah. So I'm I'm going, okay, so I'm walking down the street and then my feet are doing this and my hand is doing this and oh no I'm walking to the side now and oh yeah, and it's, yeah 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 it's like patting your head rubbing your stomach at the same time isn't it? It, yeah it's like yeah. patting your head rubbing your stomach and also trying to like do to add your cards up so that you can get a Mars bar and I, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um and I I bet the the the, the person who's helping you with your 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 cane training makes it look that easy as well. Yeah, I mean he's but he's he's got sight, hasn't he? Yeah, so of course it's easy for him. And has been doing it probably he's, for years. And yeah. and I mean I'm sure that there are people listening to this who have got no sight and have been using a cane for years and are just like I don't know what you're talking about. It's really easy, but. Mm this is so it's such a different experience i mean when i had to start training with the dog there was a lot a similar element of having to there's hand gestures and stuff that you have to use with the dogs to help them know which way you're going so yeah, yeah. so if, if i want to turn right because lola is always on my left i have yeah. to do a right with my hand and yeah. my right foot and i have to say a command and I have to not fall down. And I have to look where I'm about to turn and go. And so, and now, now that comes really naturally to me. So it is, it is something I will get used to. But at the moment, it's a real, it feels Effort. like a real juggling act to do mm. all of that. But then also, you know, the thing that, that we sort of touched on a little bit about this is, the kind of psychological emotional impact mm. of moving from having a guide dog to um an orientation cane you know that that is also a, a big different experience for me so it's it's just a lot there's <laughs> a lot going on yeah and it's you know and and i mean as with anything that you're trying to learn I've got to practice so I went out with my husband after work yesterday and we were practicing and he was like you're walking so slowly no wonder your balance is all over the place because you're concentrating so carefully yeah. on your steps and stuff that you're walking really slowly and it's just messing with my center of gravity um and so he was like come on you need to try and walk faster and the only way I could do it without really freaking out was to hold his hand. Like Aww. I was a little girl, had to hold onto his hand. That's and be like, quite nice And at least he is your husband. He's not like some random stranger just walking yeah. down the road. Like, can, can I hold your hand, please, sir? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I, I mean, I thought, I thought that experience, like doing that's quite reflective, I think, of what my experience and my feelings about the difference between a cane and a guide dog is because the reason, you know, I've had cane training off and on for 15 years and never, I just never used it. You yeah. know, when I was in, when I was at uni, I would go out when it was getting dark and the nature of my air condition is, I basically have nothing in the dark. Right. But I'd go out and I'd risk it because I'd rather do that than be seen with a cane because i felt so vulnerable and um what's the word just on show just really so what do you think ch changed then alice i know you that you say that it's because lola's getting older and is getting you know up for retirement doesn't really want to go anywhere um but is there is there another element to the fact that you thought okay i'll give cane training another go then is it is it are you becoming more accepting do you think or is it is it just that like it is what it is this is where we are i've got no real other alternative yeah it it's something other than that maybe no it's it's i i i don't want to do this i'm only yeah. doing this because i don't have another alternative mm -hmm. i'm doing this because i have got to a point with the deterioration of my sight that i I have to keep myself safe and 
And I suppose the thing that has changed is that over the years, I would have previously would have sacrificed my independence or my social life to not and I would I would rather have stayed home basically mm. or I would have ra- rather risked home myself and I, I am just at a point now where I I know I can't it's not safe for me to go out without yeah. something yeah and I've it's that was the really hard decision was to sort of sit down and go well what's what's more important to me now is being able to go out and being able to to do things independently and you know just run errands and things like that is that more important to me than the anxiety i feel of going out and being seen using a cane mm. i think it's the it's the kind of thing that i always go back to it's You've got to be able to find a way that where you can live a happy life, isn't it, really? And finding mm-hmm. that finding that inner happiness. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you need a cane to do it or I need a PA to help me go to the toilet when I'm at work. I don't get embarrassed about the fact I need a PA to take me to the toilet because the other alternative is I sit there and I wet myself. So I would much rather... I know it's not exactly the same thing, but you know what I mean? It's that you kind of have to i think as a disabled person you are constantly having to make weighing things up and sacrificing well it's kind of a compromise isn't it it is it's quite your life is a constant compromise between okay this 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 is not going to be ideal but if i don't do this then i like it's it's a bit it's a bit like me really you know i go to bed dead early to have a lie out and a stretch out because i've been in my chair all day people on the outside world think i actually go to bed to go to sleep at half past six at night i don't mm. i'm there mm. watching the telly you know what i mean and just like having a relax but people think oh she's in bed she's asleep mm. and i don't particularly like going to bed at half past six but it is what it is you know and if it means that i can have an active life in the daytime then i'm not particularly bothered about what anybody else thinks you've just got to you've got to as a disabled person, you have got to just, and I know it's easier said than done, of course it is, but you have to find that balance of, so long as you're happy, it doesn't really matter about anybody else, does it? You know, so long as you're comfortable, you feel safer and happier to be able to live an active life and do what you want to do within those six hours of a day or whatever it is, then it really doesn't matter, does it? And I know it's very self-conscious, you know, things you still get to me where I think oh, I feel really self-conscious about this. But at the end of the day, you just have to kind of like take a deep breath and think it's for the greater good, isn't it, really? And that's that's kind of the journey that I've been on, really, is, mm. you know, I, the, the wonderful thing for me about having the dog is I never felt quite so self-conscious because although, you know, I had a lot of... I've always, with the dog, had people looking at me and people notice there's I've never felt quite so isolated and out there and vulnerable on my own because I've got my little friend with me yeah you know and it's very best friend isn't it it's very hard to feel bad about yourself and have self-doubt and self-hate and stuff like that when you've got a pair of big brown eyes and a wet nose constantly going oh mom I love you what's what's the next thing and oh let's (laughs) do this you know they're just so happy to do anything aren't they exactly exactly so it's been you know this this sort of getting to this point for me has been quite a an interesting sort of emotional journey as well as having to kind of go through this this practical learning I've had to get to a point where I've I have really had to think well you know, especially having spent the last year not being able to go out and do anything for different reasons. Yeah. I have kind of gained a new respect and recognition of the small things that I can do and do do outside that I really enjoy. Like, I do really love going and get my nails done. I love mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, me too. And I can't. I had to basically, like you said, I had to weigh up that what is going to be, you know, emotionally, is it going to be more upsetting to have to go out and use a cane to do the 15, 20 minute walk to the beauty therapists, you know, every few weeks and then have my nails the whole time, the rest of the time and you know love them and be happy with them and all of that like it's it's making that balance it's you know how how horrible tasting is the medicine over how well you're gonna feel absolutely absolutely yeah and for me it's like there are many 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 things i can't do on my own but the things i can do i want to keep that ability to do for as long as possible so for those of you who don't know, where I you I stand in the standing frame regularly, it is the most painful, disorientated, sickness-inducing feeling because my legs don't like standing up. They weren't built to stand up. You know, they, they for that for, for for my legs they are show they're like show purpose legs. They don't do anything. They just <laughs> sit there. And if they were if I didn't have any legs, I'd look a bit weird. So that's why they are there. But um. I will do anything. I mean, I've gone through rounds of physio that are so painful that I end up screaming and swearing at the physiotherapist. And she goes, could you mind keeping the voice down? Because it sounds like I'm murdering you. And like, you f- it feels like you are. Um, I- I've gone through hydrotherapy, to, which is hard. Well, that's like physio in water, which is even harder. Mm. But for all of that stuff, I do it because I think I don't want my body to get any worse any quicker because they, they'll tell you that cerebral palsy doesn't get any worse but as an adult with cerebral palsy i'm telling you it does i never used to hurt like this when i was a kid i don't want to lose any more function so i will do this th- these things and whilst it's hurt hurting and it's not very pleasant you kind of have to again it's the way in weighing it up and say well this but this is going to make me feel better in the long run i stand up and it hurts I spot I get out again I think my legs feel so I feel calmer when I stand up I'm not so anxious because my stomach's not screwed up in a knot so it's it's doing you, you know we have to disabled people have to do horrible things that are very uncomfortable all of the time to whether it's physically uncomfortable yeah. or emotionally uncomfortable yeah. we have to do those things all of the time just to keep the bare minimum and that is what I think able-bodied people they don't see the stuff that goes on in the background to keep me looking like oh Lucy's got a nice face on I'm, I've got a nice face on because I'm doing exercises with my mm. fingers so I can hold brushes in my hand when I'm putting my fa- because otherwise somebody else will have to do it and I don't want to give up that independence of I put my own face on it's that kind of silly to, to other people would think we'll just get somebody else to do it but I don't want to I think it's really interesting as well, like, you know, listening to you, I, I don't know if it's because of the way you were brought up or your ex- different experience of disability, having always had a very visible disability, but I get the impression from what you've said and the way that you've talked that you've always had that real determination to want to be independent and for me the idea of independence has always for a lot of my life certainly being independent meant that I didn't need help and Mm -hmm. actually one of the things I've really had to come to terms with is going actually what independence is is getting the help you need to be independent exactly it's not about doing everything by yourself completely like i don't need any help ever it's being able to go do you know what i really struggle with this i need some help yeah because you're still you are still you are still enlisting that person who is helping you to help you you're taking control of it exactly you know people i've seen people on twitter and social media and stuff who say like they can't move their arms and they can't they've got no dexterity in their fingers whatsoever but to them they can still cook because they are telling the the caregiver or whoever it is 
can you chop that cucumber like that not like that like like this like in cubes yeah. rather than circles just because they aren't physically doing it, it does not mean to say that they haven't had some independent thought behind how they serve a salad do you know what i mean it's and i think as a disabled person it you do get a very unique understanding of what the word independence means everybody else thinks it's a very singular thing like a very solitary thing but it's not mm. it's mm. it's being able to go and it's a bit it's a huge thing to say do you know what i'm going to i'm going to try and do things this way and change the way i do things it's a huge big step for anybody of any, with any disability to say i'm really struggling with this i can't do it on my own i need some help asking for help is one of the bravest things you can do and and doing doing to you know realizing actually you know in your case lola's getting old now and doesn't really want to be a guide dog anymore she she she's clocked off and is in the caribbean having a cocktail um in her head and yeah that make... absolutely sounds about right i just <laughs> see her now on on her bed <laughs> in the living room imagining she's on a beach just like yeah. oh you can do a month <laughs> <laughs> you do it now i've clocked off but you know for, for you to then for you to realize i mean you you could have said to lola no we're going outside lola and you will behave but you you have stood there and you've realized this isn't working anymore it's not it's not i'm not getting the best out of lola. it's not it's not lola's fault no no and it, and that was that was one of the things that was a big part of this journey for me was realizing getting really angry and frustrated with lola and sort of like I, anyone who's who's known me and lola for a long time will tell you she's gotten really gray in the last 18 months it's mm. very much come on quickly and she's still the maddest bounciest dog i will share when this episode goes out i will share a photo that i shared on facebook the other day that, I love photo. that was taken by the dog walker that i pay to take lola out a couple times a week of lola and the three other dogs that uh she went for a walk with and lola the 10 year old supposedly <laughs> trained guide dog is absolutely the nuttiest of the she looks like she's like the loudest voice at the party she is she? absolutely having the best time of her life and the best <laughs> time for lola is going yeah! <laughs> shout out kate the dog walker who <laughs> we lola is a bit obsessed with part a big part of this journey for me was yeah. having to realize that lola, she can't help it that she no. doesn't want to do it anymore and no. i can't make her no. And I can't that's, help it that I that's can't thing about a guy. That's the thing about a dog, though, Alice. They've got a mind of their own, haven't they? Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much money you throw at training, you can't change a dog's mindset. I mean, no. I can remember one of the first stories you ever told me was that you you put the, the harness down to get some money out of the bank, the bank and you turned back around and Lola wasn't there anymore. And where was Lola? She got a face in a toddler's lap after the quavers which yeah. i just thought that is just dog behavior she just thought oh you know like oh, um, hello my new friend who's got some crisps <laughs> yeah can i have one please um and I, but i think that is a, it's a it's a very brave thing to go do you know what this isn't working and whilst i love lola i think we i've never met lola but i love lola dearly um she you know you can't blame her that's like having having a having a housekeeper that's like 102 and saying could you mind just scrubbing the floors on your hands and knees that like you wouldn't do it would you and it's i think one of the things that sort of made this decision a bit easier for me was that i realized that i was starting to get angry at lola for limiting my ability to go out and yes. that was where i sort of went i i adore that dog i don't yeah. want to feel resentment towards her i don't want yeah. to ever look back and go oh she was really shit at the end it's not the feelings and memories and relationship i want for me and lola so yeah. it was more important to me to preserve that you know the good feelings that i have of her with her for her 
than it was to kind of have to swallow my anxiety and my self-consciousness about going out is it getting any easier Alice do you think it's getting any easier um slightly less worried about falling over now I just I'm gonna practice and the more I practice actually the guy who who's doing my training with me reckons that the cane training will be quite good for my balance because I will have to have a bit more of a sort of sense of like center of gravity Mm -hmm. whereas you know one of the nice things about Lola is that if I start to lose my balance one way I kind of just (laughs) exactly exactly yeah yeah yeah, I just, I fall on her or she like, if I start to fall to the right, I'm like, oh no, there's a dog on the left to pull me back up again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I need some sort of system like that because sometimes I like, I end up like, like falling over. The more I fall out, it's ridiculous. Um, but I'm sure it will get easier. I'm sure you, you'll get a moment of realisation where you go, okay, this is falling into place now. You've just got to stick at it. Yeah, and I think... I think it's just going to be about, <laughs> I'm just going to have to extra w- reward myself every time I go out with my cane. I'll be like, yeah. not only am I getting my nails done, I'm also having a piece of cake because I went out with my cane. And a gin when you get back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I stopped thinking about the journey and start thinking about the destination, which is mm-hmm. not the approach to life I usually try and take, you know, because the journey of life is much more important i think than your your destination at the end uh but yeah it's it's just it's going to be an ongoing uh sort of experience and journey and i just i just wanted to sort of share it with our listeners yeah definitely well i've found it very interesting so how long do you think your well how how is there a specific amount of time that they give you for cane training will 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 be um what's the what's the what's the man called what's his job title uh, will, I, the man, will the man still come out with you while with your cane like the, six man. Months <laughs> the man it's one of those things where there's an expectation on me to do some practice yeah. so uh and i am of course in classic me being anxious and worried about everything fashion i am convinced that if i practice on my own i'm gonna like learn a load of bad habits and so he's mm. like we're then gonna spend our next session he's gonna be going you don't do it this you're not supposed to do this and why are stop you doing using it? it like a, stop using it like a wand yeah exactly exactly um like when when i went out with my husband he was like you're swinging it too far to the left and like because you're only supposed to go sort of shoulder to shoulder he's like oh, yeah. You see, um, I would be doing big old sweeps. I would. I'd be like knocking people out. Sorry, love. Mind well, your toes. <laughs> in, in theory, it's because you're supposed to be clearing each step each time. So if you're sweeping too far either side, you're going to end up taking a step forward before you've your cane has cleared that piece of ground in front of you because yeah. you're still over here on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm definitely worried that there's, you know, it's going to be a longer journey. But my, the guy who's doing my training is, um, I think, I think he he's quite confident. I think he's expecting me to actually be really good at it and have all these like skills and memories from when I did it previously. It's not like that though, is it really? It's like, it's like I used to do physio at school and then I stopped for years and then went back and they were like, oh, so you, have you done physio before? I was like, yes, but I was about uh, nine. So <laughs> everything I've learned, that was the last time anybody touched me with a th- physiotherapist hand. Um, so, and she, uh, my physiotherapist now spent a good three sessions trying to teach me how to catch and throw a ball. And it was a rather large ball as well. It was quite embarrassing. And whilst I was sat there, she's going... Oh, I've, I've apl- I'm going on Ninja Warrior at the weekend. That's on the telly, you know, with Ninja Warrior yeah, where they fall in the wall. I was like, why, why, are you, why are you telling me this? Um, yeah. So just because you've had experience of something before, 
does not mean that you're an expert in it, does it? No, but I imagine there is an element of it being a bit like... Muscle memory. I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't ride a bike, but it is no. one of those things where they say, you know, you never forget. What's the phrase? You never forget how... To... It's like riding a bike. You it's just... like riding a bike, you never forget. I don't yeah. know. It's like riding a bike, yeah. I don't know. I can't ride a bike, so I don't know. No, I don't know either. Um, we're, yeah. it, to, to be honest, when I watch people ride a bike, I'm like, how, how are you doing that? My brain goes, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't have the balance for it. Like, I no. can't stand up. Why the, no. Why on earth am I going <laughs> to sit on something with two wheels? Well, exactly. Just a disaster waiting to happen, yeah. isn't it? Um, so, yeah, it's, that's. So, it's ongoing. So, they, they, they haven't said, like, six weeks. And no, then that's I've, it. I've got, I think, four sessions scheduled in total. Um, and we're gonna after those, so if you say after those four i'm still not ready will he still keep coming i hope so <laughs> we haven't discussed it um, <laughs> i don't think it's one of those things that's gonna go on for you know if in four years time i'm like i'm still not ready then at that point i think they're gonna say you know what just stay at home yeah. um just get but... another dog <laughs> Well, and that is that is one of the things is I am, there is a huge part of me that is absolutely hoping that this is going to be just to see me through the summer until yeah. I've got another dog because I really don't want to have to try and cane through the snow and the oh, sleep no. when it's dark at oh, half past two in the afternoon. No. And it just, oh, well, all... then were, but then you would be staying in really, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be going anywhere. It's too wet and cold. Just and that's not that's not a disability thing. That's just a life thing. I'm not going anywhere. It's too cold. Yeah, lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I um, that's been a really interesting um, forty-five minutes. We yeah. I've learned loads about cane training that I didn't realize. Like, because you see people with canes, don't you, or guide dogs, and you just think, oh, look, yeah, well, that that dog has been trained. I didn't. I know it sounds stupid, but you don't tend to think of the person with the visual impairment having to, well, well I certainly don't, having to do any, like, you just, I, in my head, even though I know this isn't true, I just thought they'd go, there's your dog, off you go. It's not a case, but it's, that's not a case of, it's not, it's not like, here's your puppy, um, is it? It's like, here's your puppy, this is what you need to do with it. And then they, they come back. Did you give you like an instruction manual for a dog? Like no, so uh, did they, they give you like training for the dog? As yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it has the systems changed somewhat since I got Lola, um, but it's, when I did it, they matched me with Lola, and then I think we had three weeks where every day except for Sunday. Uh, my trainer came out and did like a half day with me of just general, like learning to walk with the dog and learning all the commands and all the hand movements. And I can remember really early on before I even really did any work with the dog, I had to spend a session holding on to the harness while my trainer no dog in the harness my trainer held on to the other side and I had to just keep pulling on it until she felt I was pulling hard enough to be able to stop a dog from being like well I'm just going over here well I I did actually think you were going to say that you were had to hold the harness whilst the instructor was wearing it and I was like that is a completely different type of training <laughs> but I mean I mean it's all these kind of things that you, you wouldn't even realise, you know. So if I know if I'm learning something, hopefully our listeners will too. So uh, thank you for uh, sharing your story with your cane training. I hope that you'll be able to update us. Yeah, I will. As it goes I will on. Keep you posted, and um, yes, it'd be really interesting to hear from other people, you know, guide dog users and cane users, just about what their sort of thoughts and feelings. And experiences, I mean, you know, also non-visually impaired people, people with other kind of assistance dogs or mobility aids and just their experiences of having to kind of negotiate the, the pros and cons and 
I think it's it's a very personal experience for everybody. Um, and so, yeah, guys, it would be really nice to to start, you know, having a bit of a conversation about that because I think it would be something is something that's not perhaps thought about or talked about very much. No, I think non-disabled people will say things like, "Oh, that person's got a walking frame," or "That person's got a, a cane," or something, but they they don't necessarily see the ongoing sort of training behind it do you know what I mean or the sort of relationship that people have with even inanimate objects that are their their mobility sort of supports because you know you do have to have there's it's a you know the one of the things that's really different for me about my experience with the having a guide dog and using a cane is that I trust my dog I have yeah. to trust myself with a cane and it's very yeah. it's, it's a different kind of you know experience yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like you know working with a co-worker and then working on on a project solo isn't it you like you know <laughs> that kind of similar sort of ethic you know ethic of you know well we can share the blame if this all goes wrong <laughs> yeah. if, if it's just you it's just it's all on you yeah absolutely <laughs> it? absolutely so yeah. it's um yeah, I think it's I think there's a lot there's a lot here in this topic and I think we've only touched on some of it. So yeah. Do guys tweet um at me. I am Alice then the number three Evans uh on Twitter and Lucy is at uh Wild Wildwonder underscore, I think. Wildwonder underscore, okay. Yeah, or you can tweet the podcast which is labelled podcast. It's a lot easier to remember. Yeah. yeah uh, that's and we'll, true. We'll, We'll, uh, we'll we'll share yeah. all of your comments and thoughts on this topic. It's been really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Labelled Podcast. If you like the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on social media at Labelled Podcast. Uh, thanks go to our editor, Adam Hall. Our music composer, Maisie Crunden, and our graphic designer, Sarah Coney. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.